Today on After the Buzzer, it's the end of the Labor Day weekend in the CFL. It's usually the turning point of the season, and uh, it was quite a turning point for a few different uh, teams that are looking to solidify their playoff berth. Uh, Danny and I are going to discuss the Calgary Stampeders in depth because uh, that seems to be the biggest surprise after five weeks of the season. The Stamps are one in five. We didn't expect that at all. Um, in fact, um, Danny for certain predicted that the Stamps would come out and play very well against the Edmonton Elks. Uh, it's really hard to say that yet still. But uh, they kind of uh, let that one slip away. Uh, the Elks look pretty good in my estimation. Um, Trevor Harris had a, a probably a, a signature game of his career, honestly. Uh, he's never beaten the Stampeders at any stop he's been previously, and uh, that includes Grey Cups. And he uh, really took it to the Stampeders on Monday at McMahon Stadium. Uh, interesting games around the league, honestly. Uh, Montreal came out and whipped the Ottawa Red Blacks. I don't think that was a surprise, but Vernon Adams looked very good after uh, not looking so great after uh, in a few outings previous to that. Four touchdown passes is always a uh, very nice night. And now that East Division with Hamilton beating Toronto uh, nicely, shaking up that that first place race is going to be um, quite interesting going down the stretch. And then, uh, of course, Saskatchewan losing to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. A uh, bit of a shocker to me. I thought Winnipeg had uh, was smoke and mirrors throughout the first uh, few weeks of the season. Um, turns out they're one of those teams that um, they win because they're good. And uh, good teams just pull out those type of things. It's kind of what you would say about the Stampeders for many years. Um, you know, they didn't always deserve to win, but they kind of pulled it out in the end. Well, the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers have a claim as the top team in the CFL right now. Um, the Riders still have something to say about that. We're expecting a bounce back in the Banjo Bowl coming up this weekend. But uh, Danny and I are going to break it all down, starting with uh, the Stampeders versus Elks. And we go quite a bit into this game, but... Um, we find that to be the most interesting scenario, and it's uh, closest to where we are as well. We recorded this late on Monday night, so uh, if we sound a little bit uh, exhausted, it was because we had a long, full weekend of football and other things going on. So uh, enjoy the show. All right, Danny, Labor Day weekend is in the books, and uh, I think we figured the number one storyline for our purposes is the Stampeders uh, at one in four coming out of Labor Day. Uh, I can't remember them uh, being in this, this in danger of missing the playoffs for um, almost uh, ooh, 16, 17 years almost there. Uh, the one thing is uh, a lot of things got turned upside down this weekend. Uh, we thought Saskatchewan was the best team. Uh, they kind of laid an egg against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Hamilton comes out and looks very good again. Uh, so there looks like they've got their preseason mojo going back going with uh, Dane Evans uh, leading the charge there. And Montreal uh, comes out and has a nice handily hand they handily handled the the Red Blacks. Uh, but what's your what's your main storyline what's what, what's your first thing you want to tackle out of this uh this I, I think it was some of the best action we've seen in a while 
Um, I'm, I'm enjoying the, I'm enjoying the scoring again. How about that? Um, yeah, I mean, but the biggest story coming out of this weekend is that, well, I'm sure people in Winnipeg wanted to be that the Bombers look like the best team in the league, which, like at this point, I think it's hard to, hard to argue. Although those those storylines, as we know, flip. But but the bigger story is that the Stampeders are in real trouble uh, in a way that they have not been in the John Huffnagel era, uh, to be perfectly honest. And uh, you know, one and four in a normal season, maybe you'd be delaying the obituary a little bit, but uh, they have to go six and three to be five hundred. Right. That's, uh, and who knows? I mean, the, the West is gonna schedule, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. I mean, the West is going to play each other a lot over the next two months. Like that's just sort of the way that the schedule goes. So like you, I mean, there's just no, like we're not even close to them being mathematically in, in real trouble. Um, they, you know, they get three games against the riders. Like if they, if they can start making a click, they're, they're still, there's still no reason to say they're done, but um some point you win games or you lose and the stampeders aren't winning yes. and like they, um and so i don't like i've done the thing where i thought they were ahead of schedule i thought they were young i thought it was okay that they were struggling but the other thing i said was if they i thought they needed to win both these labor day games to have a, yes. have a shot at like have a real shot at you know forget getting a home playoff game getting into the playoffs at all and uh no i don't, I don't know that we're gonna see them win either um right well, and the one thing that we've mentioned earlier in this uh, previous podcast, and then you raised the question, is Trevor Harris a good quarterback? Well, today he looked like a professional quarterback just chewing up a defense. Uh, he he basically took every opportunity that was there for him. He found open guys. He found yeah. holes and zones. It was – and then uh, on a couple or of – defense- like, yeah, Ian, I agree with you that. But, like, that lets the stamps off the hook. The st- like, there were – the the plays he was hitting down the down the sideline um, were not like I mean the receivers were wide open. Um, this was not this was not a he's, good. He's got to hit him though. That's the thing. So he oh, I know, and I agree. But like, um, I, and like I'm not I'm not trying to take away from Trevor Harris. I'm just trying to say that like I mean, look, I'm the Stampeders beat reporter, so that's what I'm more interested in, obviously. But um, the Stamps did not. They didn't beat themselves here. They got beat. But they put no pressure on the quarterback unless they're blitzing with Jameer Thurman and, and Darnell Sankey. Um, like the D-line just does not get to the quarterback the way it needs to. And it's great that Mike Rose and Derek Wigan have been you know, pretty exceptional all year. But you need productivity from your defensive ends. That's one of the most important positions on the field. Um, and then Dave Dickinson was open with this. The defensive backs, their tackling wasn't good enough. Um, and, and their communication wasn't good enough. And they got beat. Like there's no like – they're, if you're looking at this from a, you know, were the how good were the Elks? The Elks were pretty good. How bad were the Stampeders? I, I think the defense was was pretty bad. I think like that's yeah. that. Yeah, like this is this is not, and this is not week one or two. And that's kind of what I wrote about today. Was I was like, man, you make excuses for those when there's no preseason. It's the first couple games of the season. Uh, you can't make excuses for that. They should be better than this. And um. You know, there are like Josh Bell obviously was the DB coach is not there. Who knows what difference that makes? Um, you know, I'm not trying to blame this on Dwayne Cameron by any means, but uh, I thought Deshaun Amos might have been the best boundary corner in the league. He was like, I, I'm not trying to be mean about it, but like he was, he was pretty bad. Um, well, he, he got burned on the first early touchdown and then he felt like he was. Uh, he got burned again. Home. And then there was some bad, he, he missed a tackle in the fourth quarter. Um and players have bad games. I'm not trying to say Deshaun Amos is a bad player, but, no. it, you know, like, 
you gotta you gotta call a spade a spade and he had a bad game and you know jonathan moxie had got beat um so i i have felt like the stampeders were close i feel like they're farther away than i thought um than i've thought all season even when they were 0-2 after right. this game they're, they're in real trouble okay well and i will not hear one more thing i had to hear all week and all last week about <laughs> how the stampeders would keep jake mayer in and not believe i mitchell one of the oh, things gosh, that they're missing is veteran leadership on this team and on the field. And Jake Mayer was perfectly fine. No issues with the way that Jake Mayer played. Yeah. Um, you can't complain that the Stampeders, all these people, they're like, oh, this is, you know, Huffnagel, let the veterans go, the veterans go. And then you're saying the most established MOP caliber quarterback in the entire league, we don't care about his veteran leadership. We don't care about what he brings. You can't have it both ways. I'm like, Bo Levi Mitchell is not the problem, has not been the problem. Get him back in there as quickly as you can at this point. The second he's healthy, he's got it. He's got to be in there. They need him. He is the leader of this team. You ride or die with your stars. Right. The, the yeah, you the best thing you could say about Mayer is he didn't really lose the game. Uh, but the, the quarterback position wasn't the reason that this team came in and won. Like it just felt like they needed some sort of a uh a kick in the pants when they're when they get down to the end um uh, within the 25 in the last few minutes and they're going for the touchdown. Uh, it felt like that was when you were going to come up with a like a Bo Levi like Bo Levi Mitchell type play. That's what you needed. But one of the things, and I, you know, whether it's play calling or just lack of efficiency, they're not running the ball. The the Calgary Stampeders don't try to run the ball very often. Like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are just intent on running Andrew Harris. Uh, if the Stamps were intent on running Kadeem Carey a bit more. Uh, it might be a different story. It might give up a bit of a different look and the, the receiving might take a little bit of the heat of, off the receiving core because there were some key drops for the Stamps today too. There was a big drop for Marquis. The Ambles had a few. I mean, so Kadeem actually had a bad drop himself. Um, I, I don't – I am not in a position and I will never be in a position to really like go into play calling. Um, but it was such a priority to get the run going. And Kadeem seems to have been so good um, – I am. I have a feeling that when Ante Milanovic Litre gets out on the field, a lot of the time, defenses are just able to spot it and say, "Hey, plug the holes, take out Ante." But like, the numbers are so much better with Kadeem when he has the ball, um, as opposed to Ante Milanovic Litre. And I just, I, I don't fully understand why they're continuing with this experiment. Kadeem Carey is putting up huge numbers. He's he's playing so well. He he needs to be a focal point of this offense. Yeah, well, in six carries uh, is just not enough. They they threw the ball at him three times. He caught one of them, um, but you, you got to get him more touches than just seven. This and wasn't a game. Well, this wasn't a game that they were behind either. No, they were. Well, I mean, yeah, and it, it it's not like they didn't have offense. Uh, some offensive efficiency too. You would think it's like a yin and yang. And Wally Bono used to always talk about this. Uh, we need to get the. We will get the running back more touches when we are moving the ball more. Well, they were moving the ball, but I guess in like in mostly in chunks. But it's uh, they just didn't they didn't make him a priority. And uh, the way I looked at that Winnipeg Blue Bombers the last two weeks is they're just making it a priority. We're going to get Andrew Harris 18 carries, whether he's effective or not. And I don't think he's very effective right now. He's at a four four point seven yard average. Uh, Kadeem Carey was a 7.2 yard average today. So you're, if you're in, I think it's just comes down to intention. Like what, what, what do you want to do? Um, 
and the stamps haven't been uh, focusing on that the way the Bombers have been focusing on Andrew Harris. So, And, like, honestly, I, I do actually – this is a game I'm going to go back and rewatch because, like, the possession time ended up being roughly equal as far as I – like, I don't I don't have it in front of me, but I kept looking at it and being like, man, like the, the, the Elks are on the field the whole time. And they, that wasn't actually true. Like, it was, it was pretty close. Um, but, like, Kadeem Carey, I mean – all of us think he's good. Like we're we're seeing how good he is. Like we're we're seeing how effective he is. So I don't like I don't really understand what's going on with them not running it more. Like it's yeah. they they say it's a priority. They state that it is a priority. Um, they were so confident. They're so high on Kadeem Carey. We know what he's capable of. Like give him a little bit of space, and he. I think he's as good as I honestly think he's. He might be the best running back in the league. I, I don't I'm not saying that confidently, but like why like I. He has the potential to do it. He's just – they're not fo- putting the focal point on him. And I, how much are they bringing him out to put uh, Litre in and get another uh, American receiver on the field? That That's my question. You you would know better than I would. It seems like they've got enough Canadian receivers to make it work. So, Yeah, I mean, Richardson Danny didn't really get involved until like there was a drive in the second half. They're not going to hurt Jumayala as much as I expected. That's one of the things that I was just dead wrong about going into the season. I thought, I, I thought he might be close to their number one. Um, but I mean, like again, right now I think it's what um, I had it up earlier. I, I believe that they have three receivers in the top five in terms of receiving yards. They played mm-hmm. an extra game over a lot of these teams, but um, you know, th- so they are like again, they're moving the ball effectively, but it's just so inconsistent and like. Those receiving yards, it's great that you get a 15-yard cash, but when you get a 5-10 yard penalty on the next play, it's not actually that helpful. Um and and the penalties are a big issue. And I don't I I, I think you gotta you, you gotta get a little meanness. You gotta get a little bit of toughness. And I, I think Kadeem Carey may be the key to unlocking a lot of this stuff. You just gotta grind with him and and punish. And I mean, I thought when Calvin McCarty was in, his blocking was pretty good. Um, but it's there's there's stuff that's just it football's all about the details and today kamar jordan i asked him directly i was like does this feel like a step back you guys weren't that bummed out by the loss to winnipeg at 100 right and he and what he said was he was like it seemed like our players out on the field like didn't think we could win and hmm. uh didn't have the confidence uh dave dickinson talked about the defensive backs not having the confidence um I think that the position group that you're getting really, really great play out of right now um, is is the linebackers. I think Jameer Thurman and Darnell Sankey have been amazing. But you know, you do you look at um, you look at at Kamar Jordan's numbers, and they're great. Uh, he also took at least two like objectionable conduct penalties. You know, this this team just and that's your veteran receiver. Right. Um, so you know they. We can talk about it being small details, small adjustments, all you want, but you got to make them. Right. You do. You don't. Yeah. The the two guys that uh, that Dave Dickinson isolated as having good games were Kamar Jordan and uh, Jake Mayer. So uh, he doesn't feel like he's missing there. But I I what are the chances that they can get Bo Levi Mitchell ready for Saturday? Because it is a short week. It's not as short as it used to be. I used to cover the stamps, and it would always be. Friday night in 
uh, Edmonton. So, and they switched that. They said, "Oh, that's too that's too insane." But Edmonton's going to play three games in seven days coming up here in in November. So that's if you, we'll <laughs> talk about that separately. We shouldn't conflate the yeah. issues. Um, but yeah, can they get can they get Bow in for for Saturday night? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know that they will, but um, practice this week, so. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Bo sort of said this week that he was like he didn't feel the need to rush back for this week because of, you know, they were one and three. You know, I, I look, man, one and five, you're done. You're done. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, it, it, it's very similar to the way we felt about the Lions in 2019. Once they started to, they were whoever's the first team to four losses is probably going to be the team that is on the outside looking in and the Calgary Stampeders are the first team in the league to four losses. So that's yeah. mind blowing. You, they, well, they, they've gotten gone entire 18 game seasons and not had four losses. And this is the first game that I was like, no, 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 no. Like, like they were like, you know, we could be four and oh when they were one and three and they thought the margins were so small and all of those losses. And like, I, I, you know, they lost the BC game. Um, they weren't like they didn't deserve to win that game. It was they kept it close, and their quarterback was playing on a fractured fibula. Um, right. So but there were still things to be encouraged about. Um, but the thing is, like we go back and we've done this before. But you go back to the Argos game. There's the fumble. Uh, the Kadeem Carey fumble in the fourth quarter gives the Argos a shot deep. They they score a touchdown. Um, you know, so you can excuse that one. Hey, it's one mistake. I mean, there's obviously a million mistakes that happen in a game, but like you, you start doing that, and then well. Bo was hurt, you know, the, the Lions game, Alouette's game, that was pretty close. And then, well, Renee Paradis doesn't often miss that field goal. So all of those ones, you can kind of very quickly be like, quick fixes, you're, you're close. This one, man, what happened in the fourth quarter, like, that, that they just, they didn't deserve to win this game. They, yeah. there, was, there was nothing to be encouraged about from that fourth quarter performance. And the reality is the first quarters are bad too. They're, they're playing from behind every single game. Um, and it's great that they tend to like fix it up for the middle periods, but um, you know, this is the CFL, you win games in the fourth quarter. So saying, Oh, they were only really bad in the fourth quarter. Well, that that's, it's, it's like saying an NBA team is great until the last three minutes of the game. Well, no, it's, that's when the game's decided, right? Yeah. And like, there are no excuses for some of these penalties. And I, I thought the refs did a God awful job today i can't i was so frustrated with every play there was a penalty but you know the crew chief went down so he, right. i guess he had a little bit of sympathy but there were there were like full three minute stretches between plays where no one could figure out what the hell was happening um yeah. but that still doesn't excuse excuse it and like drops all of this stuff i mean it you you you, you drop the ball or you catch it and at some point, this team, you win or you lose. And at some point, it's like, well, you didn't make the fixes you had to make. So right. what, what reason do people, when you got three games against Saskatchewan, what reason do people have to believe you're going to be able to pull off this miracle run? You got Winnipeg right. again. They they don't play Winnipeg again? Well, they do. They do, yeah. They've got – and they've got Edmonton next – this week coming up. And then, uh, then it's Hamilton – Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. So this is the the meat of that schedule. And going into Hamilton, I think after looking at what they're been able to do, turn things around there, I don't think you feel confident going into Hamilton right now. Uh, it used to be the free space on the bingo card, but it's not any longer. 
And then Saskatchewan, you're going to get a week off and prepare for Saskatchewan back-to-back. So, uh, yeah, the Stamps are uh, looking up at everyone else, and it's such a weird feeling, and I know you haven't uh, dealt with it, and I, I haven't looked at, like, the Stamps as uh, the fifth-place team in the West um, at any point in uh, in the last 15 to 17 years. So Yeah, and I mean, I should say that, like, on a, like, emotional level it makes very little difference to, to me i don't want like no like, i know me neither yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well i'm like i got for the first time like i honestly don't think i've covered a stampeders loss where i've just been like well there's nothing good to say about that one ever <laughs> like and like the the big bad losses like the great cup losses i mean great cup losses are just different you made the great cup like that you're dealing with the yeah. heartbreak there but like the West semifinal. I'm sorry. I just like wrote that one off. I was like, man, minus 35. Like, yeah, like that's so yeah, this was like, honestly, I think this was probably the worst loss that I've covered uh, in my time in terms of performance. And uh, I don't, I don't know that it's going to resolve itself. I don't, um, I don't see that happening. Um, the, the, the one thing that you have in your pocket, um, I guess two things you have in your pocket. One is Bo. Like, I, I really, if he's anywhere close, he, I think they play him. Um, yeah. I think they'd be crazy not to. I don't. I do not think we will get an answer to that until the depth chart is released Friday, and I could be wrong. But just based on like what has been said and reading between the lines, no reporting beyond that. Um, if he's if he's close and you're not risking further injury, I think you just got to put him in. And then the other, well, Jamar Wall can't come back until like the bye week hurts them here because um, yeah. the bye week comes after the Hamilton game. So mm-hmm. he can't play against Hamilton, but um, you're then getting your defensive captain back, your defensive leader, like the most important uh, defensive back that you have, and that that make might make a difference. But um, I think he honestly, would rally that defensive back group, obviously, um, being back there and just give that group a little bit more confidence. Um, yeah, and he, I mean, he just, he's, he's the Brandon Smith of this year, right? Like he's just the guy who can yell at everyone and tell them where to go and be right about it. Uh, I honestly like cannot describe how big a loss it appears at Fuller and Arbalade, the defensive end, ends up being him going down on the sixth game. Like, right. like I, I've said this a million times before, and I'm I'm I don't even think I'm being hard on the DB group. Like, I think they'll admit that they were bad. Um, but you give any quarterback the amount of time that they give quarterbacks, um, and they're gonna hit the receivers. The receivers are gonna get open. The CFL field is. There's, you know, too, there's, there's too much space out there for yeah yeah all right well you probably didn't see much of uh hamilton toronto uh but uh, i lost it, the first three quarters okay is it a case of hamilton uh looking good uh to me it looked like uh just one of those overwhelmed games hamilton's a tough place to play on a regular day but labor day with those fans all pumped up uh it was it was a madhouse there um i think you you might see a different Toronto team uh, next week when they have that rematch. Yeah. Um, was this Ted Laurent's first game? Uh, I, I'm not sure about that. Um, he was he was back in. Yeah. He missed. Right. No, he's played. He's played a couple games. Um, look, I, I think that that defensive line in, in Hamilton now that's kind of clicking. Um, is is gonna cause real trouble um we did i've said this to uh sort of a couple of friends 
All of us did this thing, whether you're media or fans, where we were like, well, there's no preseason. We're not going to put too much stock in the first two games of the season. Mm-hmm. And then we all immediately forgot that we I mean, they do look better with Dane Evans in there. Um, I can't – I don't necessarily know how to explain that. I think Mazzoli is a good, a good quarterback. But um, I imagine – I mean, you just kind of have to. You're winning games with Evans. You weren't with Mazzoli. Um, yeah. The defensive line's good. And, like, I I think the Argos are good. I legitimately think they're good. I think um, I don't have to be sort of critical piece by piece of the Argos the way that I do with the Stampeders. So uh, I don't know that I'm going to be, like, as insightful about them. Uh, but I honestly, like, I think they're good, but also I don't think they're the finished product yet, and I think they have ways to go. And uh, with Hamilton beginning to look more like the team that we thought they were going to be like that's that could be the second best team in the league you know like well so. and, that, and that's what we thought going into this season too right we 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 expected hamilton to be a, a contender for the great cup um they are hosting the great cup this year uh they were in the great cup two years ago um with an excellent record so they they that's a team that for in and, and I think it's one of those things. Does just Dane Evans fit their system a little bit better or fit their personnel? Like uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli uh, didn't look that great in his first two, uh, the first two starts. And then it was an injury um, that he's been sitting out with, but um, Dane seems to be just like more of a like game manager. He's not doing anything super spectacular every time, but it's, he just, is very clean with the football and, and uh, takes care of business. And that, that offense is, well, they get, they get a lot of boosts from their special teams, obviously. And uh, Frankie Williams getting a touchdown on a, on a punt return certainly helps. Uh, so that, that seems like, yeah, it's kind of an all around team. Um, well, and they played games this year. They played a bunch without Dylan Wynn, who may be the best defensive tackle in the entire CFL. Jaguar Davis missed one. Like, that 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 D line, I don't know if I'm putting it up comfortably up against Winnipeg, but it may be a one A and one B situation here. Like, um, there's a there's a ton of talent on this Hamilton team, and uh, again, I I think you got to roll with Evans just because you've had so much success with him over the last you know basically full season, if, you know, mm-hmm. including the two. Um, and I think it probably is a little bit system. I, I, I think Mazzoli has a future as a starting quarterback in this league. Um, I don't know that the Ticats would be smart to enter a third season because Evans may even have another year on his deal. With he does, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's not a way to keep your quarterback of the future happy, having Mazzoli there backing him up. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I honestly, like, fuck, I, I think the better team, like, I think right now, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are the better, better team. Um, and, like, with that said, any football team, like, it's why you, like, you look at the Argos and the difference between the Argos and the Stamps wasn't all that great in week one, but the Argos got the win. So they're not in the same brutal position that the Stampeders are in. Right. So I don't know. <clears throat> I don't even know that they're that much better than the Stampeders, but it doesn't matter because you got the W, they got the L. That's all that that's all that counts. So yeah. I'm not ruling the, 
this is this is not a game I rule the Argos out. I don't know how big of an advantage playing in Toronto, you know, playing at home actually is in terms of in stadium. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, even if the Ticats win both these ones, you know what? The Argos have lots of games against Ottawa. Um, I think that the Toronto Montreal that'll be a very very interesting based on what we saw from Montreal this week, where maybe things were starting to click, or maybe Ottawa is just actually like a basketball team playing football or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Uh, the we, we won't know for a couple of weeks because, again, Hamilton's playing Toronto this week. Montreal has a, a week off, and then um, we're not starting that East versus East until for another couple of weeks, right? So uh, once they start playing each other, it's going to get interesting. The thing is, it's two wins is is – tied for first in the East right now. So uh, it's fairly even. The uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, kind of laying an egg on the uh, at their Labor Day game. Uh, it looked like it was, you know, they were going to figure it out. Uh, they got off to a slow start. And then, you know, as the Stampeders seemed to figure it out as the game went on, that, that was just a clunker. And uh, Winnipeg's defense is that they get just a, a few big plays from their offense uh their defense just feasts on that and it felt like that was the situation there um and I mean, Caleros played better than he ha- than he has I, th- I didn't think he was he was particularly like bad by any means honestly what this game felt like to me was like a big brother little brother situation where like Winnipeg was just like, wait, why is everyone saying that Saskatchewan's the best team in the league? We got the rings. And and I think that Winnipeg probably like this, I mean, both it being Labor Day, but also it being the rivalry game. Also it like being a game where they had to keep Saskatchewan in, in striking distance, you know, you, you got to win these. Um, and it just like, honestly felt to me like Winnipeg was so locked in and their players were so ready. And I just kind of felt they bullied them a little bit. Um, like it, there was a, there was a difference. <clears throat> There's a difference in physicality. Um, and, I mean, I think when Willie Jefferson said the day before the game, like, Saskatchewan hasn't beaten ever anybody, I think that sort of told you what you needed to know about Winnipeg's attitude going into the game. Like, <laughs> like yeah, they, were, they weren't minting words. I think they had a point to prove. Um, and I think they probably got a little bit of a scare in that Stampeders game, too. Um, well, and I think that's the a, a good analogy is they basically got their wake up call and still came up with a win. Uh, out of that win, everyone felt more positive about the Stampeders than they did about the Bombers. It was basically, ooh, the the stamp the Stampeders are kind of let that one slip away, but the Bombers will take it. And um, you know, Bombers fans have kind of felt that way for the most of their wins. Uh, I seem to, they seem to be the most vocal on social media uh, other than riders fans. So it, from what I, from what I was reading, it, it felt like, Oh, they, they haven't really played their best football yet. And they're still three and one. So if this is the type of game that, uh, you know, they came out and made a statement and uh, now they're, you know, they've got the, the hammer in the West division. And uh, that's kind of the, like we expected them, you you thought they might stumble coming out of this, into this season. Uh, I wasn't sure that they had a. I've been critical of their offense because it, I just haven't felt like they've had huge offensive weapons, but they're getting it done on defensively. Well, so I want to be clear that when I my trepidation with Winnipeg 
is always I, that color else's health, right? Is, is his health. And I mean, it's we're obviously all super relieved that you know he is he's able to stay on the field right now, and I want to see that. But like that was my trepidation, and it remains sort of my trepidation as well as like Andrew Harris has probably been better than you know my little trolling self. Um, <clears throat> suspected he was going to be but I, I still don't know if his body can hold up for a full season it being a 14 game season may help there but i still think andrew harris is closer to the end than he is at the beginning by you know a pretty large margin but i i mean they have all the tools and i do think we say it we say it we say it and then we focus on the stars on offense always but you do win football in the trenches and i think the bombers probably have the best o-line and probably have the best d-line in the league and that's a recipe for uh for success. So I will also say that um, we in the media always do this where it's like you see the first game, it goes a certain way and it's impossible to imagine the second game going any differently. Right. And then the second game always goes differently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I saw some very good Stan Peters teams in, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018 crush the, the Edmonton football team uh, on Labor Day. And then go into Edmonton and that game's – I don't know that they always lost them, but those games went very differently yes. four or five years later. Yeah. And it it's it's always been noted that the team that loses seems to have a bit more of a an edge into making an adjustment, you know, how, making a counterpunch basically. And a lot of times that counterpunch can be very effective. So, um, you know, Saskatchewan and Calgary – both losing on their Labor Day home games uh, means they're going to have to make some adjustments, uh, adjustments, and and do it in short order. So uh, the the quick like turnaround has always been you, fun. So you and I know both know neither Dickinson brother is sleeping this week. Like no, <laughs> like we we both know that as we record this podcast, and I feel sorry for myself because it's late and I've had a busy week. Like Dave's on his second, third viewing of the game. And it's like they're breaking down film. So they will make adjustments. I I, I, I don't I don't care enough about the riders to like all <laughs> um there's enough people who who care about them, but um I just again I, I have my worries about the Stampeders group. Uh one uh couple of notes though. Uh I haven't. I have never seen a kicker uh, run into somebody and then uh, land on the ground underneath two other people and get called roughing the kicker, because uh, <laughs> that was one of the weirdest plays you're ever going to see in that Ryder game. Uh, it was a banner weekend for CFL refereeing. That call and, was. And then the overprotectiveness of you can't apparently tap the the quarterback on the helmet, like even if it's so. Yeah, they got to call it illegal contact because roughing the passer sounds way overblown compared to what is actually happening. Uh, It wasn't even a Darnell Sankey this game. Trevor Harris ran and slid, and Sankey pulled up and like two hand touched him. Like absolutely no, like didn't push him backwards. Was just like, hey, you're down. I touched you, and got fucking. Excuse my language. Yeah. The called for rough in the passer. I like, and you know this thing as a beat reporter. You don't want to be the one yelling and screaming about bad calls, right? Uh, oh, I I never used to criticize the refs, and it was because I know they have a hard job. But I just think it's coming down from the league if it's this ticky tack and as it's this 
touchy. Like he hit, he barely touched his. And um, now the quarterbacks are knowing. Like Trevor, Trevor Harris knew what he was doing. He he reacted badly on it. He was like, oh, I got hit in the head. Oh wow, okay, another fifteen yards. Well, that's it's just a little bit too much. And um, you know, again, it's like the, the stamps got a um, an actual quarterback sack and. He got a little bit of his face mask, and it's a 15-yarder. It's um, it's tough. I feel for the defensive players because it's like, if are they going to play two-hand touch out there? Like it's it's really hard for them to to know where the where the line is. Refereeing is a tough job. It's not an excuse to suck at it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, that's a good, that's a good statement. But I, again, I, I think it might be just that they're getting the referees might be getting this like no tall zero tolerance from the, the league office too. So yeah, I, mean, uh, I wouldn't put anything past the league office at this point, to be perfectly honest. I, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, a little tap on the side of the helmet gives you 15 yards, but playing three games in seven days is okay. Um, yeah. That's how interested this, this group is in player safety, right? Yeah. Well, so we can get into that now because the the Argos and Elks get uh, their game rescheduled. Uh, do you have any inside, <laughs> insight into how they came up with a, a Tuesday in Toronto as the, the way to fix this? Because um, it seemed like um, there was many other ways to try and figure it out, but... Um, the Elks are going to be playing seven or over the course of seven days, they're going to play three games and they had to flip flop, uh, their game against, uh, well, they, the flip flop home and away against the, the rough riders to make it happen. So it's a little bit of juggling, but it, it felt really unfair to the Elks, but, uh, I guess people aren't going to be feel too sorry for them since they were the reason that they caused the, a game to get postponed. So it's not just unfair to the Elks, though. I mean, the Lions are the third game there. Lions are going to carry a massive advantage. Like, hypothetically, if the Lions beat out the Stamps for the final playoff spot by one game, and they had a game against, you know, the Elks who were physically and mentally unprepared to be playing that many games in that much time, I mean, that's a competitive advantage for the Stampeders. This is the, the argument that the players voted yes. These are not millionaire athletes. We all know this. Of course they're going to vote yes for their paycheck. If that's right. the only image that, if that's the only option that's presented to them, which is as far as I can tell, it is. But now I don't have any insight into it. Like I, I, I honestly like I've been trying to like figure out how I want to present my emotional reaction to this. <laughs> um but it's disgust. It's honestly disgust. It is um I'm embarrassed of the CFL for this decision. Well, and usually yeah, it, we can make fun of the CFL for many, many things and many of the weird decisions and things that happen very often. But this one is just uh, bizarre. Um, and uh, I guess we'll see if, are they thinking, well, who knows? I have no idea what they're thinking because there's other weeks where there's only three games and it was because you had three teams off. And if they those teams needed to have a makeup game, uh, you had the opportunity to do that on a bye week, right? Um mm-hmm. I didn't. I'd have been, I haven't delved deep enough into the schedule to know whether the the Elks in Toronto could figure out, you know, a different uh, to way to handle that. But uh, it seemed like that was not the great way to do it anyway. So, I mean, 
And what's clear here is that the league doesn't have enough money to pay its players if they don't play, right? Right. Like they were like the revenue that they're going to get from that game is what's going to cover the salaries, and that is scary. That's scary. A scary financial position for them to be in. Um, I think this game should have been forfeited. Um, I think the Argos players should have been paid. Um, to be honest, I hate that the Elks players who were doing everything right would be punished for idiot anti-vaxxers. We went into this last week. Um, but right. this, is, this is just not the right solution. Like, there has to be another solution. I don't know what it is. And I recognize that some people are going to be like, well, you you know, there was, you can't prove that there was a, a different answer to this. But there must have been. Um, and I just, I honestly, like, I just don't understand how the league... Like, how can Randy Ambrosi look himself in the mirror while, while allowing three games in seven days by any team? I mean, in the NFL, teams play Sunday and Thursday, and we see the decline in quality. We know that it's, like, more likely guys are more susceptible to injury. So we all know that this is a bad decision. There's no there's no justifying it. Yeah. Well, uh, you're going to have a trip up to Edmonton, uh, and uh, maybe you can uh... – um, get some figure that situation out and come up with a, a a different plan for it. But the one thing that we know is that the Calgary Stampeders have to win this this coming week, and uh, it's going to be the first triple header Saturday. So I'm uh, it's like triple header Saturday with NFL on Sunday. It's uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. On the I'm going to wake up at the Delta Marriott, and <laughs> I have no idea what time that game is. I have not looked forward. <laughs> As we have discussed, I'm literally just it's going a five PM start, so I think you're going to be on time. Um, oh man, they've got they've got like delivery services in Edmonton. If I don't feel like leaving the hotel room, I'm not. I'm just going to watch <laughs> football all day. I'm going to lie in bed, maybe go work out for a little bit. It's I cannot wait. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then you're going to make me record a podcast on Sunday, and then nobody's going to hear from me because I'm disappearing. <laughs> So I have to be at the next dance practice. Well, as uh, as road hotels go, uh, the Edmonton is surprisingly solid places to stay. Uh, it it was always one of my favorite places. Uh, uh, we always used to stay at the Westin, and uh, it was like you walk in there and you're like, oh, would you like a ticket to the spa? And you're like, yes, yes, I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the the Delta in the uh, uh, in Winnipeg with the heated bathroom floors. You don't think you need something until you have it. The Delta Winnipeg is like, it's not a luxury hotel experience for anyone who experiences like can afford real luxury. Right. But like, for me, like, um, and they got an outdoor pool. Like it's, it's perfect. And so I've actually never, I generally stay, I, don't know, I stay at the other Marriott in downtown, but not the one in the Ice District. But mm-hmm. Jeff Hamilton and Ted Wynan just tell me that I'm an idiot for not staying at the Delta. So I'm officially making the move. I'm trying mm-hmm. it out. I'm hoping the Stampeders themselves aren't staying there because I hate staying in the same hotel as the team. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I I always did it for the uh, the fact that they would book my room for me and I wouldn't have to do anything. But um, that was was the old days under the late Jane Mobby. Um, she was the no, best. No. Yeah. And I, uh, I got a trip home the next week after that. And then I'm praying that post media's travel policies allow if the St. Peter's keep losing that they still send me on the road. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So you, yeah, you're, uh, you're looking I at. Will. I have no indication that they won't. No. 
but uh, the thing is, if if there's no playoff game, you you might be well, like just strictly going over to the Flames beat after uh, after the nah. end of the regular season. That would be really weird and not very I'm fun not for us. <laughs> there's no right currently the maternity leave. Uh, Kristen is coming back, so I will not be doing Flames okay. at least until late in the season if they're relevant. Um, so. Uh, well. <laughs> that doesn't feel very positive either, but uh, it's still long. Yeah, still got some time left in this season to see how things shake out. So it's it's uh, relatively insane. I mean, like it's been a long time since the stamps are bad. I mean, that's the, always been the thing in Calgary is like, well, whatever the Flames are doing, at least you know you had a good stamps team if you cared. Mm-hmm. And like now it's just both CSEC properties, or they're you know I don't know how the Roughnecks are, but. Yeah, uh, they haven't played for so long. Nobody knows. Their half their yeah. team is retired. So, it's a pretty yeah, it's a pretty dark time for Calgary sports right now. Um, mm. But yeah, Bo's coming back. Could change the whole thing. Um, yeah. And well, I'm just really looking forward to all the people who emailed me in the last week telling me that how much better Jake Mayer is. To like, if Bo comes back and wins, like, God, people have a short memory. Right. No, he's uh, he said like uh, the start of a hall of fame career um, and he will continue it at some point. So uh, whether it's this Saturday or the next week, um, the stamps are going to get a boost when that, when that happens, regardless of what Jake Mayer did three straight games to start his career at over 300 yards a piece. So I have absolutely not a single bad again, <clears throat> as I said, I think you need your leader on the field. That's yeah. like, that's what a, a big part of this. Cool. All right. Have a good trip to Edmonton. We'll chat next week. Thanks, buddy. All right. Say it. Peace.